I want to share with you a mission statement of a well-known university in our country. So listen to this. This is the mission statement of this university. To be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. That's the mission statement of a very well-known university in our nation. You would know it by the name of Harvard University. Isn't that interesting? Now, as great an institution of higher learning as Harvard University is, it does not take a lot of investigation to discover they've drifted from that mission, right? It didn't take but about 80 years for the drift to happen in such a way that it was so noticeable to the people in the area that a group of pastors gathered together and began to formulate a plan for another university that would stay true to a mission of the light of Jesus Christ and of the truth of God's word. And on the basis of that clear mission, they founded another university just 80 years later from the founding of Harvard in order to stay true to Jesus Christ. You know it as Yale University. They drifted, didn't they? You think about our church family. We have a clear mission. To love God, love people, and to help others do the same. We cannot afford to drift from our mission. You think about your family. Every person in here that is a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a mission in regard to your family. I hear all of you say to me things like, I have, I've interacted with multiple people in this room around prayer requests and around personal conversations. And I've heard again and again requests for prayer regarding your families, your children, your grandchildren. Wanting God to work in your families in significant ways it is clear that you in here who want to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior every day of your life have a mission for your family. You want your family to follow Christ. And you know that you cannot afford to drift from that mission in your family. As individuals who have said, we are Christ followers, we cannot afford to drift from our mission. There is far too much at stake. And so let's read what God has to say to our church family, to our families, and to each of us as followers of Christ today out of Revelation chapter 13. We're going to read all of Revelation 13. It's a lengthy chapter, but we're going to read it all, and we're going to start working through it together. So let's read Revelation chapter 13. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth 
like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power in his throne and great authority. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? And who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. And authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God. To blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. That is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world In the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provided that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. What we see in Revelation chapter 13 is a much more detailed look at the war that is being waged by the dragon that we were introduced to in Revelation chapter 12. 
And so we're going into a lot more detail about how this war on the earth is being waged by the dragon in order to bring death and destruction. What we're seeing in Revelation chapter 13 is the final attempt of the dragon, Satan himself, to destroy and to kill in his efforts to absolutely turn everybody away from God into idolatry so that no one turns to God in repentance. And what we see here unfolding before us is three characters, the red dragon, the first beast from the sea, and the second beast from the land. You have three characters who together are forming this unholy trinity in order to deceive the world into turning away from God and Jesus Christ and worshiping the dragon as if worshiping the dragon is how you gain life. Everything that's unfolding with the dragon and the two beasts here is essentially a counterfeit of everything that God is. And the dragon is bringing into practice this great tactic that we see explained through all the scripture, a tactic of deception. And the dragon is deceiving the whole world. We are introduced in chapter 12 to the tactics of the enemy of deception and accusation. And here in chapter 13, we see the effects of unprecedented deception in the warfare of our enemy, Satan himself. You notice that the first beast, the beast of the sea, the thing that's emphasized about this beast is that this beast received a fatal wound and was brought back as if rising from the dead. Sound familiar? And the dragon gives this first beast, his authority and his throne. And he sets himself up as if to gain worship for the dragon. And the dragon is worshipped through the worship of the beast who was raised again to life. And the beast from the sea comes along and begins to perform signs and miracles so as to give credibility to the beast from the sea. The beast from the sea gives a picture to all the people on the face of the earth. You cannot conquer me because I conquered death. And I have the authority that is unconquerable. And the second beast comes along and begins to perform these miracles and these signs, these wonders, as if nothing can stop the beast. and Everyone should worship. And on the credibility of these signs and miracles able to call fire down from heaven everybody turns to the beast from the sea and gives the beast worship does that sound familiar the ability to perform signs and miracles exhibited the work of the holy spirit and now the beast from the land exhibiting that work and it gets even more specific the beast from the land puts on people we don't know exactly what it is or what it looks like but there's some mark that set people apart as followers of the beast. The Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit is a mark on the life of a believer to whom you belong. And the enemy here, the dragon, is making a counterfeit of everything that God is. Is creating a way that everybody who decides to worship the dragon would experience the temporary benefit of obedience and worship to the dragon. 
Everything is a massive counterfeit and the world is turned against God completely and totally and against the people who claim to follow Christ as believers in Jesus Christ. Everyone in the world is turned towards idolatry, these counterfeit gods, and against those who would follow Christ. And the entire world is brought into deception by this unholy trinity. And now, as the world is turned completely away from God, there will be no more repentance. Repentance has come and gone. And no one is turning to the Lord. Everyone on the face of the earth, except those whose names are written in the book of life, have turned and decided to worship the dragon. But notice that there are people on the face of the earth when this last final segment of time as we know it unfolds, who believe in Jesus Christ, whose names are written in the book of life. And notice what this passage tells us that they are overcome. That should be a little arresting because in Revelation chapter 12 we read that they're overcomers. In Revelation 13 we read that they're overcome. It should be a little shocking here. So God is allowing Things to unfold in such a way that those who call on his name, whose names are written in the book of the Lamb of God who was slain, are actually at this point in time completely overcome so that they are killed, they are set apart, they are kept from exchanging goods, they are suffering, persecuted, and they are killed. But do not miss the encouragement in this chapter intended for our church our families, and our personal lives. Every single follower of Christ who is overcome in the days of unprecedented deception are overcome just for a moment because their death is not an end for them. It is simply the beginning of eternal life. Do not miss the great encouragement that no matter how the enemy strives to overcome, those whose names are written in the book of life are overcomers. They will overcome. Now in this story of the dragon and the beast and all that's unfolding here, we are intended to see something far more significant than what will happen. Now certainly there's going to come a day when somebody is going to pick up their Bible and they're going to read Revelation 13 and it's going to dawn on them, wait a minute, that's what's happening right now. Right? That's going to happen. Well, today when we're reading it, We are not saying to ourselves, we're living right in the middle of Revelation 13. We're seeing it instead as something that will happen. 
But verse 9 of Revelation 13 ought to awaken our souls to the reality that what was written in Revelation 13, though has great relevance for those who will read it in the day these things unfold, has significant relevance for you and me today. If you have ears, pay attention to Revelation 13. This was written for you, for our church family today, for your family in this moment, for your life in this season. If you have ears to hear, listen to Revelation 13. I don't know if any of you are interested in watching the Cowboys game later this afternoon. I'm, I'm going to try to watch the Cowboys game. Now think about this. What if Jason Garrett this morning in the team meeting gets in there and says, guys, I'm not going to tell you how this happened. Nothing illegal. But I just want you to know that I know every play the Green Bay Packers are going to be running today. I know them all. I know the order they're going to run them. I know every plan that the coach has played out. I know what Aaron Rodgers is going to call, even when he does an audible. I know every single step of the Green Bay Packers. Do you think that that team would go out there thinking they're going to win? Absolutely. Because they would know every detail of everything their opponent was going to do before the opponent did it. They would win. No threat of losing. I want you to listen to this passage in Mark chapter 13. If you want to turn there with me, please do. Mark chapter 13. This is another passage in the gospel that is related to the passage we're reading in Revelation 13. So we see in a couple of the places of scripture details about these, this last window of time as we know it. In Mark chapter 13, starting in verse 19, is one of those passages. Listen to this. For those days will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now, now and never will. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But take heed, behold, I have told you everything in advance. Isn't that interesting? Jesus Christ has communicated to us that he has told us everything in advance of our opponent's actions in the moment. You know what Revelation 13 is? Revelation 13, all of Revelation, is Jesus Christ telling us in advance of what the enemy intends to do so that we might be a people who do not fall into the trap 
of the enemy's deception. He's given us the game plan. You you know, the, the, the emphasis here in Revelation 13 in light of what will happen is that if you are paying attention to what Jesus is saying about what will happen, that you will in this moment be prepared for what happens. Because here's the thing, the tactics of the enemy on display at an unprecedented level in Revelation 13 are the same tactics of the enemy today. He doesn't change his tactics. The only thing different between Revelation 13 and today is that Revelation 13, it's at an unprecedented level. The effects are worldwide deception. Today, we have deception all over the face of the, of the earth. Because the tactics of the enemy are the same. And so what Jesus Christ has done is he has told us before we needed to know what we would need to know in the moment of the opponent's efforts to deceive us. Here's how this plays out. If you're going to listen to Revelation 13, here's what you're going to conclude. You must, you must have The Word of God in your life every single day. Do you know what's going to happen to you this afternoon? Anybody in here know? I mean, you've got plans, right? You've got plans where you're going to go eat, what you're going to do this afternoon, what you're going to do this evening. You've got plans of what you're going to do this week. But does anybody in this room know what you're absolutely going to face, what's going to happen, what is going to occur that maybe you could not does anybody know that no nobody in this room knows that the only person who knows what's going to happen in your life is Jesus Christ who created you and sustains the world and unfolds the plans of the world towards his purposes the only one who knows is God himself he's the one who knows everything you will face in the hours to come you don't know anything neither do I Thank the Lord he has told us before we get there exactly what we need to know. And it's right here. It's right here. Now we've had a really interesting object lesson related to this truth in the last few weeks, right? Because two weeks ago on Sunday morning, I stood up here and said, I believe God is calling us to see this particular day as a mark. A marker in our church family. Talked about really resisting the efforts of the enemy. How he's going to attack me and our pastors and you and your families. And we've got to stand firm in the faith. And we talked about all this stuff, right? And I said, I really believe God's preparing us. That this is going to be a marker. Something's going to happen through this sermon in the weeks to come. That God's going to do something significant in our church family. Do you remember that? I mean... It would seem like somebody knew what was coming later that day and in the course of the week. It would seem that somebody knew what the enemy would seek to exploit and would speak to our church family in such a way that we would be prepared for what the enemy is going to do so we stand firm in the faith and we see the victory of Jesus Christ instead of the exploitation of the enemy. Do you see that? That's what he did. This last week, I was spending the day fishing uh, with some guys. And one of the things we did was we had a day where we would meditate on a particular passage of Scripture. And so through the day, we were meditating on a Scripture. And all day long, I'm meditating on the Scripture about 
Matthew chapter 7, how my brother, when he does something wrong, that I should see that wrong done as a speck in his eye instead of a plank in his eye. You familiar with this? And that I should see what's wrong in my own heart as a plank. But my tendency is to see what's wrong in me as a speck and what's wrong in my brother as a plank. Because it's a lot easier to point out the planks in somebody else's life than to think of myself as just, I got a few specks, you know. So all day long I'm focusing on this verse, literally meditating, having conversations about this verse about I'm the one with the plank and my brother is the one with the speck and no matter what my brother or sister does in Christ, I've got to orient what they've done as a speck and I've got to see what I've done before the Lord that's not right as the plank because if I don't see what's wrong in my life as the plank, I'm never going to be able to help my brother or sister with the speck, right? You familiar with this concept? So all day long I'm thinking about that. Little did I know that that evening I would get a text message from a brother in Christ and it was one big um, issue of where I responded, going, that guy's got a serious plank in his eye. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was like, are you serious? I cannot believe this. And immediately the Spirit of God just says, gotcha. <laughs> I knew what was coming in your life this evening. And I knew that if you saw a plank in your brother's eye and you saw your life is better than his, that you become self-righteous. You wouldn't think that that you need me. You would step into pride and you would become arrogant against my work. So all day long I've been speaking to you through my word because I knew what would happen in your life tonight. And I want to make sure you don't get exploited by the enemy. And so here's what you need. Your reaction to that man is your plank. You better humble yourself before me because that's far more dangerous than what that man texted you. You see how God does that? I didn't know, but God did. And he's telling each one of us, I have told you in advance what you need to know. And it's right here in my word. So here's what this means. Tomorrow morning when you get up, I want you to read God's word. If you don't know where to start, start in the book, Gospel of John. And just read the first chapter or two of the Gospel of John. Now here's what's going to happen. If you read God's word, God is going to show you something about himself in his word because that's what he does. He illuminates our hearts to who he is when we open his word and we read it. We're going to see something about who he is. When we see something about who he is, we're going to know something we need to believe in. And what we need to believe in about God is going to be everything we need for anything the enemy throws at us the rest of the day. Because God already knows what the enemy is going to throw at you. And so he's prepared to meet with you through his word and to reveal truth to you about him. Because he knows what you need to know before you know it. You know why you need to read your Bible every day? Because every day the enemy is seeking to attack you so that you might drift from your mission little by little, not even realizing how far you're drifting. Before long, it's too, gone. it's too far gone. But God wants to meet with you every day through his word, reminding you of who he is so that you might believe in him and stand against the deception of the enemy. You need to read God's word. I need to read God's word because every day I need to be refreshed about who God is. Because what God's going to tell me today about him 
is exactly what I need to know to dismantle all the efforts of the enemy to deceive me into worshiping any and everything else but God. You see that? Isn't that incredible? God knows what you're going to face. And he's so in control of everything that what you spend time learning about him tomorrow is going to be the very thing you need to face everything you're going to encounter that you have no awareness of. God has told you before it happens exactly what you need to know. So get in and dig it out every day. Get in and dig it out. You cannot afford to miss what God has to say in your life, in your family, and in our church. We must be listening. It's not enough to listen this week. It's not enough. You know, the other emphasis in Revelation 13 is that God's told us what we need to know so that we can trust him through the deception and not be deceived and stand firm in the faith and be a witness to those who watch us. That's what Revelation 13 is telling us. And the other thing it's telling us is that we simply can't adopt that mentality for the next week. We have to adopt that mentality for the rest of our lives. Like it, do, it doesn't, you don't arrive. You don't one day think to yourselves, well, I've read the Bible through now 25 times. Well, that's probably good enough. I'll be good the rest of my life. No, the moment you begin to slack off in regularly encountering the presence of Christ through the reading of his word and prayer, the moment you begin to relax that, you know what the enemy does? He comes in, he begins to exploit all the things you might be thinking and believing because of the messages that are coming into your life that are not dictated by who God is and what God says. The moment you let up is the moment the enemy exploits your life. You cannot afford to let up. You have to keep on seeking him every day the rest of your life. We're at war. The enemy wants to take you out, wants to distract you from your mission to destroy you, your family, and this church. And you cannot afford to miss out on the battle plans of our commander because he knows everything the opponent will do before the opponent ever does it. And he's prepared to equip us with who he is and what he says so that we face every encounter of the enemy with faithfulness, trust, and purity. You cannot afford to miss these windows of knowing Christ. It's called perseverance. The Lord wants us to persevere in staying true in the Word of God. You know, I have seen and observed over the years in my own heart and life, in the hearts and lives of others, a drifting away from Jesus Christ. You've seen it. You've probably seen it at times in your own life. You've probably seen it at times in the lives of those you love. And you've seen it in the lives of those around you who claim to follow Christ. Where there's a drift. And the next thing you know, particularly about somebody that's not close to you, you hear something about their life and it's absolutely shocking. You're like, how in the world did they do that? 
And you're just shocked because you see the impact of the steady, slow drift when it becomes a public display. You've seen it. You've observed it. You've even felt pieces of that in your own life. I can look back at my life and I can tell you there are two significant windows in my life when I was younger, when I drifted. You know what characterizes those drifts away from the mission of following Christ? I stopped spending daily time in the Word of God. Just, I missed a day here is all right. Missed another day there is all right. Missed four or five days in a row is all right. Still not that big a deal. It doesn't seem to really bother me. And next thing I know, I've become so disconnected with the daily battle plans of my commander that I cannot see the activity of my opponent. And he slowly causes me to drift into deception. And then I began to think, hey, I know I should be reading God's word, but life seems to be okay. And then the next thing you know, I begin to think and believe things that are contrary to the word of God because I've fashioned it in my own mind a way of worshiping that is acceptable in the way that I'm living. And so here's what has happened. The enemy, same tactics. The enemy has caused me to lift up another image that is not God, that I have fashioned in my own mind, and then I am justifying my behavior based on what I've crafted in my own mind that is acceptable worship of God. Well, God will forgive me, or God will take care of me, whatever. I have disassociated what God is saying to me from my daily life, and I get into idolatry, and I'm deceived, and I drift, and I take people down with me. Right? Like, you know what this feels like. Here's the only way that we can avoid the drift. Perseverance. You know, the unprecedented level of the enemy's efforts to deceive in Revelation 13 are not the most significant, shocking thing in Revelation 13. You know what the most significant, shocking attribute in Revelation 13 is? The unprecedented levels of perseverance of those whose names are written in the book of life. In the worst of days, never before seen effects of the enemy's tactics of deception. In the most unbelievable scenario of living life in enemy territory, there is a group of people who say, I will not receive the mark. I will not bow down to the image. You can take my life. I am following Jesus Christ. And they stand true. You know what happens? Not a one of them is deceived. Not one. Because they decided they would follow Christ no matter what, day in, and day out, no matter how hard it is, they'd keep on listening to who God is and what he says. And they would align his, their lives with him again and again and again. And the greatest moments of challenge and persecution and suffering become the greatest displays of the perseverance of the faith for the glory of God and the display of the gospel. And when they are persevering in their faith in the most difficult of moments, do you know what they're discovering? You can take my life because I've already found him and his name is Jesus Christ. So you will not take from me what he has written in his book. Do you know when you get to the level of that kind of perseverance in the faith, you know what happens? Deception is 
no threat. You won't be deceived. Not only will you not be deceived, but you will be a beacon of truth in the darkness of our community. And you, by your declaration of life and testimony, will be the avenue and the means through which God unveils the minds of unbelievers who are held captive by the enemy to do his will so that they might be set free to turn to Jesus Christ while there is still opportunity for repentance. But it it doesn't happen in your life, in your family, and in our church unless we're a people who are frequently hearing the battle plans of our commander. I want to read one more passage to you. It's in 2 Thessalonians. It's another passage communicating about this time. So listen to this. 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 through 10. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is... The one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power, signs, and false wonders, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So here's the dividing line in Revelation 13. Those who did not love the truth were deceived. Those who did love the truth stayed faithful to Christ no matter what and could not be deceived. You know what mattered most in Revelation 13? Whose name is written in the book of life? Because if your name's written in the book of life, you have victory. And every reason to hang on for it. You, through trusting in Jesus Christ, have your name written in the book of life. And you have a victory that's worth hanging on for. Why not experience it now? By daily hearing your Savior tell you just what you need before you need it so that you will follow him no matter what.